it's very expected. You knew it was going to happen. You knew he was going to handle it that way at some point. That's how it was going all last year. And uh, but hey. Now, now it is what it is, and we move on. I'm very excited about this team. There's been a lot of really good stuff going on here, uh, and I want to be sure we're focusing on that because uh, that, that, that's in the past. Learn from your mistakes. Move on. All of us. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer, John McClain. From Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. You heard Nathaniel Hackett right there. The Jets kind of giving a little response to Sean Payton and also trying to move forward with the J-E-T-S Jets and not worry about what happened in Denver. And we'll get to that conversation in a matter of minutes. Joining us now on the phone lines, as you heard, is John McClain, the Hall of Famer from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And, John, thanks so much for your time as always. Before we get into anything NFL, I got to go to Major League Baseball and ask you about the trade that sends Justin Verlander back to Houston where he won a World Series from the, the Mets. How big of a deal is that for Houston as they try to make another run at things? Hugh, it is humongous. There's a buzz in Houston. It's been rumored for a couple of days. Then everybody was saying the Mets didn't want to trade him. And the reason it's important, despite the Astros not having Lance McCullers Jr. and losing Luis Garcia, two starters, to Tommy John's surgery in, after six starts, and another one who's there cheating this in three months and he's back. They're one half game behind the Rangers in the AL West. Rangers led by six and a half games in June. And they missed Deordon Alvarez for six weeks. Jose Altuve's been out two times for five weeks in a month. So now they've got everybody healthy, but their starting pitching has not been as good as it was last year. Their bullpen hasn't been as good. and uh, But they're hoping that Verlander in his last seven starts is a 1-4-90 or 8. The Mets are going to pick up, according to reports, $53 million of his remaining money. Hmm. He signed a two-year $86 million deal, and that would be for 2023 and 2024. And then in 2025, they have what's called a option, which he would make $35 million if the Astros want to keep him. And the Mets are paying almost all that money, and they got two prospects, both in the outfield, um, that uh, are double-A and A. But the Astros outfield is sad, Yardana Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, and Chaz McCormick. So people here are really happy. He won a Cy Young Award last year and then got you know Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, Gave him that incredible contract. So people are fired up. He's back for part of his sixth season in Houston, and uh, they think now it's going to be fun. It's just too bad, Q, that the Astros and the Rangers only play one more time. That's three games in Arlington in September. Right, because the Rangers, they made a trade with the Mets as well. They got Max Scherzer, and the, and the, the Astros get Verlander. Who, who had the better trade with the Mets, Houston or Texas? Verlander's ERA for the season is 3.15. Max Scherzer is 4.19. And uh, Scherzer, he just folded last year with the Mets in the playoffs. And he's younger than Verlander. And Verlander's not been a great playoff pitcher either. But he won the Cy Young Award. He was incredible last year. If you remember, he was 18-4 and with a 1.75 ERA. Opponents had... 186 against him, and he's not used up because he missed two years coming back from Tommy John surgery. 
So I guess you'd say he's a young 40. But he's been pitching really well lately. And another offshoot of that is we get to see Kate Upton all the time. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. I always say that about myself. I'm a young 46, John. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'd love to be four. I'd love to be an old 46. <laughs> I know that's right. John McClain is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I know you're at Texans camp. I see they have an air-conditioned tent for the media. That's awesome. How has C.J. Stroud, the the uh, the quarterback, the their new quarterback, how has he looked so far? He's been up and down. They still have him splitting first-team reps with Davis Mills, a starter, the last two years. They're not just going to anoint him as the starter like they did in Carolina, and they seem to have done in Indianapolis, they want him to do well enough to separate himself. And a lot of times, Q, when you have a rookie, especially a rookie who's been taken really high, you don't just give him a veteran's job. Mm-hmm. A veteran who, is, who has been in the trenches with his teammates, you want him to play well enough when you elevate him. All the players on the team understand. So he's struggled at times. He's looked really good at times. He's got a new coordinator. New system, Texans have some talent on offense, especially in the line and at running back that they haven't had. So Stroud is not getting the rave reviews as Will Anderson Jr., the third overall pick. And a lot of people went on and on about the Texans gave up too much to trade up to get that third pick to get Anderson, who was the highest-rated prospect in the draft. And they still have first, second, and third-round draft choices. So, yeah, they gave up a lot, but they still have – of their picks. And so uh, Will Anderson Jr. is the leading candidate to be NFL defensive rookie of the year, just like B. John Robinson is the leading candidate to be offensive rookie of the year. Sticking with the AFC South, I wanted to ask you about Indianapolis and the situation going on with Colts owner Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor. What do you make of all this situation, John? Q, it is a terrible situation, as you know. When you have a disgruntled player, especially the one that rushed for over 1,800 yards and scored 20 touchdowns two years ago, then got hurt much of last season, you, you kill him with kindness. And Ursula's done just the opposite. Now, he wants to be traded. Well, anybody would trade for him if they got his current contract. But they don't want to pay him $16 million a year. Mm-hmm. Now, last five Super Bowl winners, I met 1,000-yard rushers. And... I know everybody in AFC South is hoping that Taylor gets traded, preferably in the NFC. But, you know, it, 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 just like we talked last week about Josh Jacobs, led the league in rushing, played great, but it didn't help him win. Right. He didn't get to the playoffs. Now, it wasn't because of him, of course. But uh, Taylor, I, I feel bad for running backs to begin with. But then when you got an owner – who's making it such an issue by doing and saying all the wrong things. You know, you you, you don't want – he's you know, he's demanded to be traded. He can't sit out and lose money. You just don't want a player. You've turned against you and the organization. It really feels like Jonathan Taylor may just dig his heels in. Like, I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to dig his heels in. Matter of fact, there's a report out now that the Raiders are open to restarting conversations with him. So I think something's going to happen sooner rather than later. But I just feel like Jonathan Taylor, John, in this situation might just dig his heels in and say, I'm not playing for that dude uh, the, with the way he's he's put out the statements he's put out, especially on Twitter. You think he's going to lose $4.8 million and sit out to see no, That's true. He's not going to do that. <laughs> plus, he loses his year of credit. 
right? You know, true. being a vested veteran. So he was a second round pick, so he doesn't have to wait. His contract, they can redo it now if they want to. You know, they want to see him be healthy. He also could be franchised for two years or even three years. So it's just a tough situation. You get what you can. One thing I would ask for if I were Josh Jacobs, I would say, look, uh, I would like some incentive bonuses based on what we accomplish. You know, most teams give them bonuses based on what they do individually, which is good. But as for some team bonuses, help the Raiders be better. Help them make that improvement in year two of the Josh McDaniels era with Jimmy G. And make some money based on that. We're all tied into it together. Just like companies, Q, I always wonder why companies don't give bonuses. And I guess a lot of them do give bonus waste, bonuses based on that company's performance so they're all going for the common good and you know there's payday at the at the uh, end of the year if the company does well nfl teams should do that a lot of them do but i'm not i'm, not, I'm surprised it's not more widespread one thing saquon barkley did not do when he agreed to the deal that he did with the giants is he didn't get the you cannot franchise tag me next year put into that how much do you think that's going to be important for josh jacobs to make sure that they can't franchise them next year unless they got another really good running back on the roster i wouldn't agree to that right you know they only gave him nine hundred thousand in incentives mm-hmm. it's not like they gave him a big new deal with a lot of money but uh the agents will try to get that just like they try to get no trade clauses verlander had one they had to waive it to be traded and there could have been teams that wanted him and he said no like deshaun watson had no trade clause and he orchestrated it where he could go to Cleveland. That's right. where he wanted to go. Fortunately, the Texans, the Browns gave up three number one picks and more. And uh, so it's it's a terrible situation for running backs. People are talking about, why don't they redo the CBA to help them out? Well, why would they do that? Right. Then they're going to take it from somebody else. Would that be fair? Right. No, you're right about that, and that that CBA is not going to be adjusted for quite a while, so guys like Jacobs and Barkley and others aren't going to have anything to say about that uh, by the time that comes around. Again, John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I did want to ask you about that situation with Sean Payton in Denver and what he said about Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, obviously the Jets organization, even Russell Wilson. What did you make of that whole situation? I've never seen anything like it, Q. And there's people trying to say, oh, he's a genius. He's trying to put the pressure on him and 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 help Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's not a rookie. He doesn't need to be helped. And I'll guarantee you that wasn't his motive. He just shot his mouth off to Jared Bell at USA Today. And people are like, well, could he have thought it was off the record? No. <laughs> Jared Bell's covered the NFL for 30 years. That's not his style. Peyton said some stupid stuff. I can't wait for the fifth game. I wish they could play the fifth game right off the bat. That's going to be so much fun. You know, Aaron Rodgers and well, and his other teammates who are from who are part of that. They that they love Nathaniel Hackett from his time at Green Bay. They want to rub it in. You know, right. Rodgers could be throwing for touchdowns if he's up by forty with a minute left. I thought Sean Payton made a fool out of himself, and uh, and his people say he crossed the line. Yes, he crossed the line. He could have just praised the heck out of Russell Wilson, said it wasn't his fault what happened here last year. What got me cute is he threw his general manager and his team president, who's part of the ownership group, under the bus. 
Now, they're not saying anything about that, but you know they didn't like it. Right. No, they couldn't have. There's no way they could have liked it. It, it. it did. It felt like one of those conversations that he was sitting around having at a bar. But as you mentioned, you don't sit around and have that conversation with Jared Bell. He's too good of a writer. And he's, you know, he's not a guy that's just looking for dirt just to throw it out there. I mean, he's a great writer, been around, covering the league for a long time. He's not going to just throw stuff against the wall like that. That, to me, it just blew my mind. Of course not. And I guarantee you that's the biggest story of his career because people are still – talking about it and mm-hmm. Sean Payton doesn't want to talk about it anymore and that's fine he shouldn't open his big mouth to begin with because right. you know there's repercussions coming yeah there's got to be <laughs> there's got to be and of course Aaron Rodgers I, I liked what he said in response and basically said keep my coach's name out your mouth and John let's close out with this I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he he adjusted his contract and he said the other day that well you know come the trade deadline there could be some pretty big players out there available what did you think of the statement that Aaron Rodgers made referring to his contract <laughs> he's already running the front office he probably runs the coaching staff and uh you know, he's giving up that money, and and that's great to do. He didn't have to do it, but he's made, you know, over $200 million, right. and he's single. And uh, so he's done everything right there. They love him in New York. team loves him. Robert Sala, the head coach, loves him. Everybody loves Aaron Rodgers, and that's fine because he has done the things he wasn't doing, being all in right. with the Packers. No, you're right. You're right. What do, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the Jets, though? I mean, they have a really good defense. You know, they have a strong run game, and now they have Aaron Rodgers. Can they take that step that everyone's expecting them to take? Well, I think they'll make they'll finish second. They won't win the division. The Bills will. They'll get in the wild card race. They'll get in the playoffs. And I'm reminded, Aaron Rodgers has a losing record in the playoffs since uh, he won the Super Bowl in 2010. There you go. That's all you need to know. Well, John, uh, what are you working on? Sports Radio 610 in Houston that we should be on the lookout for. SportsRadio610.com is where my work appears. I have a column up on Justin Verlander. Got one on C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. And tomorrow I'll have one on a player. Could be one of the most exciting rookies in the NFL. Tank Dale, 5'8", 165-pound receiver. We set all kind of records at the University of Houston. Q, thank you very much as always. Absolutely, John. Appreciate you. There he goes. John McClain, the general, Sports Radio 610. You can find him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And, yeah, man, I saw on John's Twitter, speaking of his Twitter, I saw a, a picture of the media tent that they have out there uh, in Houston, and it's nice and air-conditioned. Nice and air-conditioned. Now, the Raiders, they have the cool box for the players. We always get to see the players go in there for a few minutes, you know, cool off and, you know, get their body temperatures right. But there's not a cool box for us for the, for the media. I wonder how that would go if we had one, right? I mean, because you can only fit so many people in there, you know, and then you can only see so much from certain angles. So I wonder exactly – I mean, it sounds great in theory, right, to have a nice little uh, cool air-conditioned spot for the media to sit and watch the practice. But I wonder how that would actually end up going because I'm a guy, Ari – I just know for me, I walk up and down the sidelines. It's where, as far as I can walk, as, lo- as much as they'll allow me to do, I'll do. So I don't never stand just in one spot the whole time. I'm up and down, and so I wonder how that's it, as it kind of goes in the air conditioning box. But, I mean, it's a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> it's not, not bad when it's as hot as it is. <laughs> so I feel like if you weren't in there and then all of a sudden you, you decided to go in there, every, like no one will let you because they're like, who's this, who's this guy all of a sudden coming in? 
Right. Why is this guy pacing up and down the sidewalk like Adam Hill and everybody would be like, man, get out the way. I know, but there's a lot of us that, that kind of go up and down the sideline a lot. I know Vinny's very active. Adam, Paul Gutierrez, like we're all pretty active up and down the sideline. So I wonder how that actually part, uh, you know, plays out I think when you have that. That would separate the boys from the men, right? Like like all the people just chilling in the in the box there while the rest of us getting this info, getting these pictures. Yeah, well, right. you know, you only got a, a small little window for, for pictures and videos. And, you know, we're still trying to figure out our actual Twitter rules, what we're allowed to tweet out and what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Brandon Faison, he went down with the looks like a leg injury earlier. And we all kind of looked at each other like, okay, um, we could tweet that right now. And we had people looking up in the rules book like, wait, hold on, you got to wait till the, the, the team reports it. And then Vinny tweeted it out. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just retweet it. <laughs> I just have a, I have an automatic retweet on Vinny's tweets, I guess. So, yeah, that was something. And we saw him get carted off practice. And uh, that's the unfortunate part about training camp. And it's going to happen to every training camp. You're going to have injuries. For the most part, the Raiders have been doing pretty well as far as I'm concerned when it comes to injuries. But seeing Brandon face on a guy who, you know, there's some expectations for. Uh, go down with the uh, looks like a leg injury. He was carted off and, and helped into the into the training room. So we'll wait to get, for, you know, get bigger updates and more updates on exactly what's going on with him. But. Uh, you know, it was it was not good to see that. Uh, it was good to see the tweet from Josina Anderson talking about the Raiders are are willing to you know reengage conversations with Josh Jacobs. I think that's a good sign. Uh, I would like to see them get him in camp sooner rather than later, uh, but we'll see. You know, I'd like to see him get back to camp before the the joint practice with the 49ers, but you know that's probably putting the cart before the horse. But just to see that they're open for uh, conversation, I think is a really good thing. So uh, there you go. There's John McClain from uh, Sports Radio 610 in Houston joining us talking all things NFL. And, yeah, what he what he was saying about Sean Payton and what Sean Payton had to say about Hackett and all that was just uh, – it, it, it was very calculated, but it wasn't very smart. Let's just put it like that. There were some things that he said that made sense that he could put out there, but other things he said – just didn't make a whole lot of sense because it just made him look, uh, as far as I'm concerned, made him look really bad and 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 just put his team in a bad position. And so uh, yeah, now the Jets are gunning for him, and we'll see what happens there. So uh, yeah, many thanks to John McClain, Sports Radio 610, joining us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Before we take a break, let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Speaking of Denver, let's go out to Denver and talk to our guy Raider Dave. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man, I, I think uh, after watching uh, highlights of last year's uh, Kansas City Raider game, you know, Tape Don't Lie does a pretty good job. And I, I was looking at all the players that are on for on the field for that fourth Kelsey catch, and Merrick mm-hmm. wasn't on the field. I mean, after a double team with Merrick and one other player wasn't effective enough, he wasn't even on the field for that fourth TD. Uh, for TD plays. I think he's the one that's on the hottest part of the seat okay. available, and I really think that he's going to go ahead and and have to make some kind of a move in order to, like, you know, interceptions and stuff during the offseason here in order to secure his spot. I mean, you know, where else do you think that, that they have to go with that position in order to get somebody uh, that can line up with another player and double Kelsey with success? That's a great question, and, and I do think that Trayvon Merrick's got his work cut out for him. I think he knows that. Uh, you know, a couple of people have referenced his media session that he had the other day, and he, you know, didn't really seem like he was very. I don't want to say into it. It just it kind of got the it kind of got the Jonathan Abram vibe when he met with us the final year that he was with the Raiders, and he was meeting with us, and he kind of had that not standoffish feel, but just kind of not a whole lot 
into what he had to say and really just kind of not interested in being there. Now, the only thing I'll say about Trayvon Merrick is he's never one that's going to be a big talker. That's one thing I do know. He's never going to just go and have, uh, you know, some big, long answer or whatever, a spirited answer. So I'll, I'll give that – I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for that. But I do – I do feel like he's got to make some plays in training camp preseason to solidify his spot. Like I, I don't, I don't want to say that he's going to get you know let go, but I do think that he has to show why he's on the team. And and you know I, I know Chris Smith is out there. He's a very confident young man that's had ball uh, ball production in college, and I think that that's going to go a long way. So we'll see if he's able to put that together in training camp preseason. But uh, there's a battle there. That's why I look at Chris Smith and Trayvon Merrick as battle number two that I'm paying attention to when it comes to the camp battles that I'm most intrigued by. And the number one is Trey Tucker versus DeAndre Carter. So both both of those battles are two that, that I really look at and, and pay a close attention to with what's going on. Let's get one more quick phone call in, and we'll take it from Quick. Quick, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Chubal, what it do, man? Chillin', man, hey, chillin'. I'm looking – I, look, I'm looking at all camp battles because I truly don't feel like the team is as talented as it needs to be, and we are really depending on this, this uh, camp battles to bring the best out of our players. So it's, for me, it's everybody because nobody's job should really be safe out of a, two, three players on the team, man. I mean, okay. let, let's be honest about it. I really want to see the corners step up, like I yeah. spoke about the other day, and I would love for my guy Hunter Renfro to have some pressure on his, on his, on his neck. I know that contract don't dictate as such, but you know what? If we really got a best player, we'll play kind of squad, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking at all I, battles. I like it. I like it. Quick, thanks for the call. Appreciate you, my man. I'll say this. You mentioned the quarterbacks. Today was not a great day for Marcus Peters. Today was not a great day for Marcus Peters. He was the guy. And, look, I know one-on-ones, they're really set up as far as I'm concerned for the offense to win. But there was one time where Devontae cooked him down the sideline. Right, the very first one-on-one drill, Jimmy G to Devontae, nice pass. Uh, matter of fact, Hondo Carpenter looked at me and said, I thought Jimmy doesn't throw deep. It was a deep ball to, to Devontae around the sidelines. Devontae caught it, then tiptoed down the sideline for a touchdown. Then the second rep against Devontae, uh, it was a nice little run, and this is Devontae being Devontae. He had a nice little route that he ran, and Marcus, he, he, he guessed and guessed that Devontae was going to go inside and Devontae cut outside. So as soon as he guessed and, and curved inside and Devontae went the other way, it was almost like that play when Devontae uh, ran off Patrick Sertan to walk it off against the Broncos in Denver last year. It was similar to that, but it wasn't a deep ball. It was just one of those up, uh, boom, and then just shook him. And so then somebody from the crowd, I don't know who it was, uh, said, come on, Marcus, get on him. And Marcus looked to the crowd and said, shut your ass up. But he didn't say it loud, but he said it loud enough. Loud enough so I could hear it, right? <laughs> loud enough so the people on the sideline could hear it. So Marcus Peters was in full Marcus Peters mode. And, look, that's who he is. He's a guy that's going to gamble. He's going to guess. Sometimes he's going to guess right. Sometimes he's going to guess wrong. So he's going to be one of those guys that is going to be, be like feast or famine. He's going to make a play, and you're going to praise him. And he's going to not make a play, and you're probably going to curse him. But, you know, Marcus Peters is always going to be him. And I think he's still working himself back into, you know, to, to, to playing mode. You know, he's, he's been out for a while, obviously, and just got to, got to the team. So I think that they're trying to ramp him up. But, yeah, that was something that was very noticeable uh, in camp today. Like I said, it, Marcus Peters was not uh, on his A game. Let's put it like that. 323 is the time. Many thanks. Uh, quick, I do appreciate you. And, of course, uh, Raider Dave in Denver as well. You can go ahead and continue to hit us up at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We have no more guests 
the rest of the show. We knocked him out like that. Boom, boom, boom. Jason Horowitz, Mike Sando, John McClain, just like that. So the rest of the show, wide open like some old school TV antennas. Of course, we'll hear from Coach McMahon. We'll hear from uh, Amir Abdullah, Bilal Nichols, and, of course, we'll hear from you at 702-365-9200. What or who are the camp battles that you're most intrigued by? Who do you feel like has to fight the most to keep their job? But right now, Right now, why don't we go ahead and look for caller number nine? Why don't we get you qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game that's going to give you a shot at winning the weekly grand prize trip? Of course, it's the Lotus Summer of Fun. This week's trip is a week in New Mexico with a hot air balloon trip in Albuquerque, then three days in Santa Fe plus $1,700 in spending money. Or you can take $3,000 cash, whatever it is. Take the trip, take the cash. Lotus Summer of Fun's going on right now. Call number nine is what we're looking for at 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. The snap and the handoff to Gordon across the 40, down to the 35, and the ball is out! And Robertson has it in his stomach, and he's racing downfield for the Raiders. 50, 45, 40, Robertson near sideline, 20, 10, defensive touchdown, Raiders! You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Would love to hear a few more of those in 2023. Defensive touchdowns right there. That was courtesy of Amik Robertson. The Raiders had two of those last year, right? Amik and then Deron Harmon. Both those guys were able to get the ball and take it to the house. Amik Robertson got his hands on the, the ball multiple times in 2022, showed that he has playmaking ability. He just got to do it a little bit more. And, look, he's in for a battle. I've been talking about camp battles so far on today's show since today was the first day of padded practice for the Silver and Black and Look, there's 11 corners, and I don't know how, how severe the injury to Brandon Faison is, but there's 11 corners coming into today's practice in that room. All 11 aren't going to be there, so there's going to be some real hefty competition as far as the cornerbacks go. Matter of fact, that's, that's one of the battles that I have written down. It's pretty funny. I just wrote quarterback battles across from Peters, right? Bennett, he's out there fighting and competing like he's a starter. Sam Webb is an undrafted free agent that made the squad last year. You know, they got David Long. They got Duke Shelley. Face on if healthy. Robertson is mentioned. Hobbs and Hall are going to be, I think, competing for the slot. There was an opportunity where we saw part of the practice today, and it was Marcus Peters, Jacorian Bennett, and then Nate Hobbs in the slot. That was the, the starting three corners uh, that were out there on the field. So that could be a preview of what we might see. But, again, it's only August 1st, so I'm not going to sit there and put it in, in pen and say that that's who is going to be starting when they get to Denver. I, I don't know that for a fact. It was great to see Nate Hobbs shed that red non-contact jersey. He was black in his de- he was back in his black jersey, the defensive jersey, so he was fully cleared for uh, any kind of uh, contact. So I think that's a good thing. So uh, after missing a handful of practices, Nate Hobbs is back today in a full capacity. But I do ask you the question, what or who are the camp battles that you're most intrigued by? Who do you feel has the biggest fight on their hands for their job and Jared actually checked in on the show uh, Jared checks in quite a bit he's uh, actually works with us there at a uh, Radio Nation Radio 920 at our sister station uh, ESPN Las Vegas he said did you talk about the tight end battle I may have missed it and really I mean OJ Howard was released earlier today and waved and I remember a couple people telling me that oh he's the best Raiders blocking tight end he's going to definitely make the squad and I kept saying I don't know I don't know if he's going to make the squad, man. He, he's been a guy that a lot of people expected things, that high expectations for him coming out of Alabama, and he just hasn't been able to put it together so far in the NFL. He's hung around, hung around, hung around, but uh, he gets waived earlier today. Michael Mayer was uh, baptized into the league by uh, Max Crosby today. Now, he didn't do like Alex Leatherwood did where, uh, where Chandler Jones you know, just ruined his, his career, it felt like, but 
Max Crosby had his way with, with Michael Mayer. So he just basically said, welcome to the league, Rook, a couple times. So it wasn't the best day for Mayer as far as a blocker, and that's something he's got to do better. He really is. So, uh, you know, going up against Max Crosby, it's unfair to the rookie in, in a sense. But at the same time, you know, iron sharpens iron. So he's going to have to really step his game up. And, you know, having to go up against Max Crosby and try to keep him off his quarterback, that's definitely going to be something he's got to work on. Uh, got a text from uh, someone in the 209. What's up, Q? I just joined. So what happened with Jimmy and Crosby? I know Crosby said Jimmy was already talking ish a few days ago. Got heated or an unnecessary hit. And I've had a couple people hit me up and ask me about Crosby and Jimmy G. The, uh, he did have run a lap today. But from my vantage point, what I saw, and this is just me, and I know that Tashawn Reed from The Athletic had tweeted out that uh, Jimmy and and Max were, you know, kind of going back and forth. As far as I was concerned, it was just a little bit of chirping, but it all stemmed from Max Crosby jumping off sides. There was a, a, a play where he anticipated the snap count, and he jumped off sides, and he would have he would have just killed the play, right? I mean, there, and I remember seeing uh, Max come running downhill, basically, at Jimmy G, and I don't know. I wasn't on that side of the field to see if he got close enough to make contact with him. I don't think he did, but he did have to run a lap. And, I mean, the run in the lap was because he, he jumped off sides. Jermaine Illuminor had to run a lap because he had false starts. Uh, who else had it? There was another – somebody else had to run a lap. Uh, I think Bilal Nichols, matter of fact, had to run a lap earlier today. There was a few guys that ran. It, it, there was a lot of – the referees were there today. There was a lot of flags on the, on the play today and on the field today. I think uh, Ja'Korian Bennett had a nice little rep. Amik Robertson had a nice little one-on-one rep where he knocked the ball down. They threw a flag on him. I was like, ah, of course they did, right? It's a passing league. But there was a few good plays I thought were made uh, defensively. It was a very physical practice today. Uh, guys were getting after it. Uh, Max was in midseason form as far as talking trash. He was mic'd up for Raiders.com. So whenever that comes out, that should be interesting. <laughs> Right, he he made he made a couple gestures to us on the sideline a few times, talking talking some trash. So he knew where the cameras were, he knew where the microphones were, he knew where the people were at that that report on the on the team. So uh, Max Crosby was in full Max Crosby mode today, but I don't think there was anything from my vantage point. Again, maybe Tashawn got a better view than I did. There wasn't anything that was major that went on between Max and, and Jimmy G. It all stemmed from Max being offsides when he uh, he tried to jump in and, and anticipate the snap count. Got a text from Brad in Concord. He said, I just feel like the one I feel like the one that is going to have to fight for his job this year is Merrick. I have just never been sold on him, often wondering why he was a starter. Maybe this could be his year, but so far he's always just kind of been present back there and not much more. This year there's more than seems this year this year there's more than more of that seem huh. This year there's more of that that seems the type that wants the football. Uh, I don't know how that text came out. That didn't come out correct. I think he's meaning there's more of the guys that are trying to go find the football, so it'll be interesting for the secondary during camp. So that that uh, that end of the text got a little screwed up, Brad and Concord. I'm sorry for that, uh, but it was you know it just came out a little wrong. But uh, I, I I've got the gist of what you're trying to say, and yeah, I think that the Raiders, Dave Ziegler and company, when they went into the draft, I think that they did that purposely. It's something that I've been making uh, you know, a point of emphasis about quite a bit is the fact that they went after guys that had production in school, regardless what position it was. It's not just ball production. I mean, you look at guys like, like Tyree Wilson, the number seven overall pick. He had, he had you know, production when it comes to getting to the quarterback, stop of the run. He was that guy uh, for Texas Tech. And, and of course, in the, in the limited time, because he cut his season short with the foot injury and uh, the ultimate surgery that he's still coming back from. 
You know, you look at uh, Michael Mayer, the second-round pick. Uh, he had plenty of production at, at Notre Dame as far as the scoring touchdowns in the red zone and shattering records for uh, tight ends there at Notre Dame. He did that. Their third-round pick, uh, Byron Young, he had a lot of production as far as getting to the quarterback at Alabama last year. You know, he, he was able to get there, like, what, five times? And then also he's really good at stopping the run. Ja'Korian Bennett, five interceptions the last two seasons. Trey Tucker, kick return, punt return guy. You know, I mean, he's, he's had that kind of production. Uh, Chris Smith, the safety out of Georgia, uh, five or six interceptions the last couple seasons there at Georgia on his way to winning back-to-back national championships. Like everybody that they went and drafted, Amari Bernie, right, the, the linebacker out of Florida, the safety turn, turn linebacker, uh, he had a handful of interceptions from the linebacker position. All these guys had production from whatever position they were, and that's something that was an emphasis for Dave Ziegler and company. So uh, when you talk about Trayvon Merrick, I feel like that that's the overall – that's the guy that everyone's looking at. It's like, are you going to step up? You know, what's the old saying, uh, either blank or get off the pot? Like, that's, that's basically what it's up to now. It's, it's time for him to either blank or get off the pot. It's up to him. He's got the tools. He knows how to do it. He's an athletic dude. Uh, he did it at TCU in college. That's, that's where I got familiar with him. But so far – uh, outside of his rookie year, it hasn't translated. His his rookie year was, I think, decent to good. And then last year, he took a step back. And so far this year, in training camp, he's done a whole lot of nothing. So uh, he, he's got his, his work cut out for him in a major way. But, again, we throw the question out there to you at 69187, keyword r and of course, 702-365-9200. Looking for the camp battles that you're most intrigued by, who do you think has the biggest fight on their hands to keep their job? Uh, let's see. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Whiskey Ray started the show. I didn't even see this this text. I don't know if you saw it, Ari, but Sir Whiskey Ray started the, the show saying, Q, who's playing them tight beats to open up the show? That's hot. You know you have game when you play the game. Sincerely, the bikini girls at the local pool party and J-Lo's cousin. So, <laughs> Sir Whiskey Ray is always on his A game, man, with the – with the funnies, right? He's always, <laughs> yeah, he's always bringing the funnies to the show, so I can uh, definitely appreciate that. Our guy Jared chimed back in, talking about Hooper versus Mayer, uh, and I think that those guys are going to actually complement each other. I don't think it's going to be a, a battle between those two. I think they're going to actually complement each other. I think Hooper is going to – they're looking for him to be that guy that he was uh, when he had a, a really good – couple of really good seasons, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's a really good receiving tight end, and I think Michael Mayer is going to be the guy that's going to do uh, a lot of receiving in the red zone, and also he's going to have to step his game up when it comes to blocking, but I know he has the blocking ability and he's willing to block, which goes a long way. So I don't think that it's really a competition between the two. I think it's going to be the fact that they're both going to, like I said, complement each other. Jesper Horstead is still there on the roster. Uh, I don't know what that means for him, but uh, I know O.J. Howard was, uh, was let go earlier, was released. Matter of fact, the Raiders had sent out, uh, they sent out an advisory on their, their latest transactions that they made. Uh, matter of fact, let me go ahead and tip, pull it up real quick. They made official – the sign-in linebacker, Darius Harris. Uh, that was a guy that was with the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday, and that really came out uh, late last night uh, about him. So he, they made him official, and they also re-signed quarterback Chase Garbers, a guy that they had uh, released earlier in camp. Now he's back with the silver and black, not wearing number 15, but he's wearing number 14. And in corresponding moves, the Raiders released tight end O.J. Howard, tackled Justin Murray, and waved linebacker uh, Kanai Ma- Maoga. And I'm sure I said his name wrong, and I apologize, but – uh, he was he was released as well. So those three guys uh, let go, and then uh, the two guys made official in Darius Harris and also quarterback Chase Garbers. 702-365-9200. Uh, that is the phone line. You could let us know who or what you think the camp battles that you're most intrigued by are, who's got to work the most 
to uh, keep their job this upcoming year because, again, there's a lot of competition. I think that's a good thing. You know, we had Quick call in earlier talking about competition at all spots. That's the one thing I think that the Raiders have really put together some really good competition. Like, they've put some, some guys out there that are going to push everybody for their jobs, and that's really how it should be. Obviously, guys like Max, they don't have to worry about their job. Guys like Devontae they don't have to worry about their job. Jimmy G's not getting replaced, right? I mean, there's certain guys that you know that they're good to go, but other guys really are going to have to push and fight and claw and scratch for their jobs. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Mitch? How you doing, Q? Thanks I'm for the call. Hope yes, it, sir. You, hope it's cool off out there. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, obviously it's running back, but I say to make quarterback, like the backup. I don't know if Jimmy's going to be there next year. I know they're going to be drafting. I hope they take one of those Pac-12 quarterbacks. Pac-12 for now. Pac-9, really. <laughs> or Jackson Dart. But I, but I want to see how Aiden, uh, Aiden Donald does, and, and it'd be very interesting. I hope. I think he's got this, uh, the backup job for Jimmy. Thanks for taking my call, brother. I got to go get myself a pair of sneakers. There you go. Go and get you some Nikes, man. Go and get you some Nikes. That's what I'm talking about. But, yeah, uh, the backup quarterback position is an interesting one. Brian Hoyer, we know who he is. There's no doubt about it. Brian Hoyer is a guy who's more going to be a coach uh, than, a, than a player. If he's a guy that you need for, you know, a game or maybe a few quarters – Fine, he can step in and he can hold that down. But if he's a guy that you feel like you're going to have to go to for a handful of games, you're in trouble. So I would go to Aiden O'Connell and see what he's got. Now, it's funny, the conversation is so different when it comes to Aiden O'Connell. Some believe that he could be a starter in this league. Some believe he could be a backup in this league. Others believe that if he was a backup in the league, that'd be, that'd be a bonus. Like, he can't even be that. I've talked to people who actually have been on this show and are on this show as a weekly guest that think, yeah, Aiden O'Connell can't even be a backup in this league. And I was kind of surprised by that. I heard that before practice today, and I had to take a double take. I was like, wait, are you sure? I said, yeah, I don't, I don't even think he's a backup in the league. So I said, okay, that's, that to me is surprising. As I, when the Raiders drafted him, I penciled him in as a, as a glorified backup. There's others that think, hey, this dude's got the tools. Josh McDaniels likes these kind of guys. That couldn't really get it done. I know when I was talking to Paul Gutierrez on the sideline, he said he looks like a taller Mac Jones to him. And we all know that Josh McDaniels is a big fan of, of Mac Jones. So I'm really intrigued, and I guess we'll see a lot of, of him during the preseason. I don't expect to see any Jimmy G, and that's nothing I've heard. It's just my gut feeling. I don't expect to see him during preseason. I expect to see him during the joint practices with the 49ers and Rams, but I don't expect to see him in preseason. All you need to do is have Jimmy G out there in a meaningless pre- preseason game uh, going up against somebody who's trying to make the team. And they, they make some kind of move or some kind of hit or some kind of play where they're like, hey, this is going to get me noticed. And they make a big play that ends up hurting your quarterback. Like you, that's, that's the last thing you could do. So I don't expect to see him in preseason. Again, that's just my gut feeling. We haven't heard that from anybody. But with that being said, I think you'll see a lot of Aiden O'Connell, probably Chase Garbers. I don't think you even need to see Brian Hoyer out there, to be honest. I really don't. I think Brian Hoyer, by the way, side note on him, I think he's been getting kind of frustrated. There's a couple times where Max Crosby uh, got home uh, on him. It would have been a sack, and he just hasn't liked it, <laughs> right? Uh, whether he's frustrated with Max or he was frustrated with the offensive line, you can see the frustration for Brian Hoyer uh, when a few plays have happened and, and there's been Max Crosby in the, in the backfield. On the play that he had to run, Max ran after he jumped off sides. He got, he, it's so funny. He went back onto the field. And one of the coaches from the side, far sideline said, 
Max, this is the twos. The twos are in. Max, back to the sideline. The twos are in. Max didn't hear him, and I say didn't hear him because he didn't want to hear him. Max was like, I, am, I just missed a rep. I'm, get, I'm staying in the game. So they kept saying, Max, twos, Max, twos. And, I mean, look, if I could hear it where I was standing, I know damn well Max Crosby could hear it. He just chose not to hear it, and he stayed right in there. And let me tell you, he went up against Justin Heron from, from the other side of the field. Like, normally he's on one side going up against kind of like Jermaine or Luminor. Uh, this time he went up against Justin Heron or, or where uh, left tackle Colton Miller would be. And, man, he must have put Justin in – in uh, Brian Hoyer's lap. I mean, he just he just bull rushed him, and it was a wrap. So as I mentioned earlier, I think that uh, Max Crosby is in midseason form. He looks like he's really in midseason form already. He looks like he's been training since January. Oh wait, he has been training since January. His words, not mine. So Mitch, thanks so much for the call. I do appreciate you. Uh, of course, uh, quick and shields up. Appreciate you guys as well. And anyone else, your feedback on the dobybroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Or if you want to chime in at 702-365-9200, you can. We definitely uh, got time for your calls and texts. Who or what are you looking at as the biggest camp battles, the ones that you're most intrigued by? Who do you feel has the biggest fight on their hands to keep their job? When we come back, you'll hear some sound from earlier today. Coach Tom McMahon, the special teams coach, he uh, he was able to talk with us after practice. You'll hear from him. You'll hear from Bilal Nichols. You'll hear from Amir Abdullah. We got all that and more on the way. It's Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We'll hear from special teams coordinator Coach McMahon, Bilal Nichols, defensive tackle, and running back Amir Abdullah. We'll hear from those guys coming up at the top of the hour, kicking off hour number three of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We're calling it Studio Q today, and we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line, which is blowing up right now, 69187, keyword r Love the text line. It's my favorite part of the show just because it's a lot easier for most people to be able to text in than it is even to call in. And so love the interaction on the text line. Definitely appreciate everybody that reaches out by way of the text line like this one from the 908. Biggest camp battle, wide receivers Cole and Turner on the bubble with the new addition to Tucker. Really good one. Really good one. I don't know who that is from the 908, but great text. That's true. Cole and especially Turner. Turner is the guy who made the 53-man roster last year. Uh, he was the guy that made the 53-man roster for the first time in his NFL career. He's been in camps, in and out of camps before, made it. I remember he was pretty emotional about making it. Uh, didn't get very much burn at all in 2022, but he was there. And so now he's got a battle in his hand. Uh, anytime you go to the wide receiver room when they have 11 guys, that's, that's going to, to provide the competition. I'll say this. We've had a lot of conversations about Hunter Renfro. Today, he looked unguardable. He looked absolutely unguardable. I'm, I'm so happy for him, especially after he talked to us on Friday and let it be known where he was in a bad place and he started doubting himself. That's one of those, I almost feel like it's a comeback story, right? It's something like you're rooting for the guy because you know how damn good he could be. And to know that he was in a position where after he got injured, he really was doubting himself. So all of a sudden, he's out there, and I feel bad for anyone who's lining up against him on one-on-ones. Like, I feel bad for anyone lining up against Devontae on one-on-ones because Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. And as I mentioned, uh, that, you know, one-on-one drills are really designed for the offense to win. (laughs) Obviously stated by a a true defensive player, right? (laughs) So any defensive player would tell you that. But, no, I mean, it just – it is. 
But when you see Devontae line up and somebody line up against him, you're like, oh, that's going to be a bad day for them. But when you see Hunter, man, I, I'm always intrigued. Like, all right, who, what's going to happen here? Is, what's Nate going to do one-on-one with him? What's Amit going to do one-on-one with him? What's Ja'Cory Bennett going to do? And, man, he just looked like that guy that was unguardable. He looked like he was getting back to the slot receiver that everybody talked about, the slot machine. Uh, he also looked like third in Renfro. He just, again, it looks like that guy that can thrive in this offense just with the underneath stuff, right? And then you get enough of those underneath stuff, he gets five yards here, six yards there, five yards here, six yards there. All of a sudden, boom, one pops. And now all of a sudden you're looking at 13. He's 25 yards down the field. That's just how these things happen. I really think Hunter Renfro has an opportunity to thrive as long as he's healthy. And I felt the same way last year, but he obviously wasn't happy, uh, healthy. And then he wasn't happy, right? And, and he said that himself. His words, not mine. So – I think that he has a great chance to have a really balanced back year. And, uh, yeah, Cole, Turner, they're definitely on the bubble with Tucker and everybody else that is in that uh, wide receiver room. Got another text from the 209. I kind of wish Tyree was in because to see him and Chandler fighting for the starting spot would be cool. Any updates on him if he's close to coming back? That's from the 209. And there's been nothing so far on Tyree Wilson, and and that's unfortunate. Uh, You know, it's six games or six days into – Raiders training camp now. They're going to practice again tomorrow. They'll be off on Thursday and be back at it again on Friday. So I'm hoping that he's back sooner rather than later. He really needs to be seen. He hasn't been seen at all. Uh, The last time I saw him, we were in uh, Kansas City together. (laughs) That was the last time I saw him. I was standing next to him after he was selected uh, in the first round and had a few minutes to catch up with him. Like, that was the last time I saw Tyree Wilson. I know he went and met with the media uh, following that, I guess, the next day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, but I was still in Kansas City, so I wasn't there for that. So, really, literally the last time I saw Tyree Wilson, he was being drafted by the Silver and Black in Kansas City. So, yeah, I would love to see him out there not only competing with Chandler but learning from Chandler. Not only competing with Max but learning from Max. That, I think, is bigger than even the competition. Let's go quickly out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, 918 Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Uh, not much, Q. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you, man? Um, man, I just wanted to say uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, like, I guess, deterioration of uh, Josh McDaniels and a uh, few, like, Derek Carr, and, like, people that we've been around, like, uh, the organization for a hot minute. Um, are there any, like, success stories or, like, any, like, pro, like him, uh, I don't know, players talking about how they like Josh McDaniels and how uh, he's, like, building rapport with players because there's a lot of other side of it. And I don't know. Um, it wasn't the best way I thought that they handled the Derek Carr thing, but also – Car wasn't the he didn't make make it easy on himself either, but uh, I just feel like that's the narrative like with Adams or whoever it is. Uh, it's just like oh he did this at Denver and he's doing it again. Uh, do you know of any players that I feel like the one thing the Adams he like made a post about it, but it almost seemed like I don't want to say forced, but it's like no, there's no problem. Okay, hey. Thank you for the call, 918 Raider. I appreciate you. And, yeah, there's definitely players on the team right now that talk about Josh McDaniels, including Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers talks very highly on Josh McDaniels and said he gave you the two of the, the answers to the test. You just got to go ahead, go ahead and use it and, and put it to your craft. But there's more. We'll talk about it on the other side. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.